Pay attention, son. This is for your own good. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. You got to get it done. British young Cinderella coming out of nowhere. He's got about 350 yards up. He's going to get about 500 yards up. He's got a beautiful catch. Oh, he got all of that one. Hey, welcome. Come on up and have a seat. This will be a very special two-part episode of Talking Sports on the Bleachers. Go over to the cooter, grab yourself a cold one. Come on up, all come on up and sit down, and we're gonna talk some sports. Romo looking, dumps it off right side, intercepted, intercepted the goal line by Woodson, and there is your dagger. talk about playoffs you kidding me playoffs to infinity and beyond hey thanks for coming back this week we have some baseball news we have some college basketball news we have the nfl coaching positions and of course there's this little thing called the super bowl Later on, I'm going to be joined by Derek King, host of the Derek King Sports Show. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, well, about everything. Uh, as it turned out, uh, <laughs> when we taped this episode, he went on, we, we got to talking, and next thing we know, it's bigger than one episode can handle. So we're going to make this into a, as Wolfman Jack would say, a good old-fashioned twin spin. Talking Sports on the Bleachers is part of the Gateway City Sports. I invite you to check out GatewayCitySports.com for new information on and sports in and around the St. Louis Bi-State area, from the Cardinals that are fighting Illini. We try to give you a variety of sports coverage with our team of writers and contributors, uh, podcasters. Stop by and let us know what you think and how we're doing. If we're missing something that you want to see covered, let us know about it. We're going to see what we can do for that. Check out our other podcasts like the Team of Rivals, Yacker Jacks, Two for Three, and the Derek King Sports Show. Well, NASCAR's first ever stadium event is in the 
books. The event was not only the first time in a stadium environment, but it unveiled the next-gen cars in actual competition. The next-gen cars are a departure from the norm of NASCAR, as they are comprised of parts from exclusive vendors. And those parts are available to everybody and need to be used by everybody. In the past, race teams have been their own developer of cars, so parts have always been kind of uh, exclusive, if you will. Uh, the next-gen process is said to make it more affordable for teams to get, in, get into and compete in the racing environment. Just 23 cars competed in the race. Notable drivers who were missing out of the race were Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, and Eric Alamarola. Amarola. Joey Logano held off the uh, field for the last 20 laps to win the event. Kyle Busch came in second. Austin Dillon was third. Eric Jones fourth. And Kyle Larson was fifth. Other notable finishers were Kevin Harvick tenth. Chase Elliott eleven. Martin Truex Jr. was fifteenth. Bubba Wallace eighteenth. And Denny Hamlin finished dead last. Next up for, for NASCAR is the Daytona 500, February 20th. Practice starts February 15th with qualifying. Fix February 16th on Thursday. Uh, February 17th, the Menards Arca Series practice takes place at 4 p.m. NASCAR Camping Truck World Series practice at 5 p.m. NASCAR Cup Series Blue Green Vacations Duels will start on the 17th at 7 o'clock and then 8.45. On Friday the 18th, ARCA Series qualifying groups at 1.30, followed by the Truck Racing Single Qualifying at 3 p.m. NASCAR Xfinity Practice starts at 4.30 on Friday. Cups, uh, third the Cup Race's third practice will be at 6 o'clock that day. At 7.30, the Camping, Camping World Next Era Energy 250 will start. Saturday morning, we'll see the final Cup Series practice at 1.30, Xfinity Single qualifying at 11.35. At, 11 at 1.30 Saturday will be the ARCA Series Lucas Oil 200 driven by General Tire. At 5 p.m. will be the Xfinity, Xfinity Beef What's for Dinner 300. Then on Sunday at 2.30, the Great American Race Daytona 500 on Fox. All other events will be on uh, FS1, so check your local listings. It's going to be a busy weekend in Daytona there, folks. I got this feeling. I don't think I'd go looking for a hotel room right now because they're probably all booked up. In golf, Tom Hodge started the final round of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am in a three-way tie with Bo Hostler and Jordan Spieth. Took the early lead at the, early lead at the first nine on Sunday. Uh, Spieth took the early lead, excuse me, after the on Sunday. Then Hodge came back with a 32 on the final nine to win the tour stop uh, and the first major of his career. Now he has a spot in the Masters lineup later on this spring. NCAA AP Top 25 was released on Monday. Auburn and Gonzaga are still one and two, but that could change. Uh, or actually that will change. Purdue is up one to number three. Arizona up three to number four. Kentucky and Houston remain at five and six. Duke is up two to number seven. Kansas is also up two to number eight. Texas Tech up five to number nine. Baylor drops two to number ten. Providence is knocking on the door. They're up four spots to number eleven. UCLA falling like a, like a rock, nine spots to number 12. Illinois is up five spots to number 13. Wisconsin down three spots to 14. Villanova also dropped three spots to 15. 
Ohio State stays at 16. Michigan State drops four spots to 17. Marquette is on the move up yet again, up six spots to 18. Tennessee, after falling down, is now on its way back up again, three spots to 19. Texas is up three to number 20. USC down two more spots to 21. St. Mary's joins the top 25 at number 22. And Murray State also pops in at number 23. UConn down seven spots to 24. And Xavier rounds it out down four spots to number 25. LSU and Iowa State dropped out of the top 25. Top 25 scores of note from this week. Virginia knocked off number seven Duke 69-68. Number 20 Texas defeated number eight Kansas. 79-76. Number 24, UConn, beat number 18, Marquette, 80-72. And the shocker of the day, and maybe of the week so far, Arkansas beat number 1, Auburn, 80-76. That will take the take Auburn out of the top spot for sure. Number 22, St. Mary's, was upset by Santa Clara, 77-72. Number 6, Houston, was shocked by SMU, 85-83. And number 16, Ohio State, was bounced on the road by Rutgers. For Rutgers, it was their third win over a ranked opponent and second one in a row. And all three have been in New Jersey. They are 3-2 and two against the top 25. Purdue, who had a chance to move up in the rankings given the Auburn loss, uh, kind of foiled, kind of spoiled that uh, Thursday. Uh, they beat Illinois on Tuesday, 84 to 68. Then lost Thursday night in Ann Arbor to the host Wolverines, 82 to 58. Now they have a quick turnaround and face Maryland at home on Sunday. The loss also drops for due to second in the Big Ten behind a tie between number 14 Wisconsin and number 13 Illinois. Wisconsin puts its share of the Big Ten lead on the line at home Sunday, Saturday against top 25 killer Rutgers. And Illinois will host Northwestern on Sunday. Gonzaga can pretty much solidify the number one spot with a victory Saturday over number 22 St. Mary's. A couple of the top 25 matchups will be number 20 Texas at number 10 Baylor. And number 12 UCLA will face off against number 21 USC. In tennis, Rafael Nadal won the Australian Open in five sets to claim his 21st Grand Slam title. Nadal, who is ranked number five in the world, beat number two ranked Daniel Med Medvedev. I hope I pronounced that right. On the women's side, number one ranked Ashley Barty defeated Danielle Collins in straight sets. It was her third Grand, her third Grand Slam title of her career. In Major League Baseball, CBA negotiations update. And we actually have one this time, folks. This is not the old, well, they met and everybody went their separate ways. A press conference was held uh, Thursday by Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. He announced there would be no change to the spring training schedule. And an offer will be presented Saturday, February 12th, to the Players Association. Pitchers and catchers are to report this. Uh, some on the 14th, most on the 16th and 17th, and the first spring training game is set for February 26th. Regarding the negotiations, Manfred said, you're always one breakthrough away from making an agreement. He also said it would be disastrous to miss regular season games due to the lockout. Some developments from the owner's side, according to Manfred, is an effort to stop tanking or to finish last uh, and get a higher draft position. This is in light of, uh, they said that in light of this, Manfred said there would be a draft lottery implemented. No details were actually given about that, but it will, it will be a way to, uh, as they say, deter teams from trying to 
finish last so they get that first draft pick. Uh, it was also reported the universal designated hitter has been agreed on and everybody you've heard my feelings on that I won't go into it again. Uh, draft pick compensation for teams losing free agents with qualifying offers uh, is now a thing of the past. That has been taken away. Uh, they said the, the union felt that that was keeping teams from uh, going after uh, free agents who refused a qualifying offer because of the, the uh, penalty of giving up a draft choice. Uh, so that is no longer an a, uh, obstacle for the union. Um, Manfred also said we'd like to spend the playoffs. Owners want a 14-team playoff. Players only only want 12. I want nothing. I want to leave it the way it is. Um, I'd actually like to eliminate a wild card team. Just we have one wild card. Uh, the only expansion that really makes sense is if you're going to have two wild cards, you take the wild card game to a three-game series instead of a one-game playoff. Uh, reducing revenue sharing. Uh, which is taking money from the higher revenue teams like the Yankees and Dodgers, directing it to smaller revenue teams such as the Pirates or Marlins. This has been a contention of players and owners, and uh, according to reports, it is still off the table and a non-starter in negotiations. So we'll see if Manfred's uh, uh, optimism plays out here. So um, I don't know what's going to happen. That At this point, it's anyone's guess. Um, as I said before, and I'm going to go on off a slight little rant here. Um, you know, I've mentioned before that I am a, a thousand percent against adding teams to the playoffs. Um, in my mind, there are too many teams right now. Uh, you've got five teams, two play for the wild card, right? The, the, some of the things that I've, I've heard that's come out about an expanded playoff is uh, it'll be 14 teams, and and the higher teams will have will have the right to pick who they want to play. That's ludicrous and stupid. Um, again, it's Rob Manfred being an idiot, and I I really I, I just don't know where his head is at with this. If you're going to expand the playoffs, fine. Okay, if you want to expand it to one more team and make three wild card teams. There may be some logic to that and how you can schedule the games. You can get more games played um, in a shorter period, uh, you know, playing on top of each other instead of having teams having to wait until the wild card game is done. I could see that maybe, but why? What, what really are they going to gain by doing anything like that? If they use logic, they can figure this whole thing out. But unfortunately, logic is not part of Ma Rob Manfred's uh, is not his forte. He has no understanding of the word or the use of it. You know, Manfred thinks fans want more playoff games, and he can't be any further from the truth. Fans don't want playoff more playoff games. They want a a consistent, competitive product on the field, and all these little gimmicks and all these little changes and all this little three batter you know, like the three batter minimum and making bases larger and trying to d dictate the shift stop it you're ruining the game and as I've said before Mr. Commissioner I want you on this show to explain yourself I want you to talk to me now I know you're not going to because you're probably not even going to hear this and I, mean, I hope somebody does that Know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody passes this on to him because I would like to get him on the show. I would I would love to talk to him about this. 
and just find out just what is making him so stupid. Because you can't sit there and tell me that he's got the, the, the interest of the fans at heart when he keeps screwing with the game. When he keeps making little itty bitty changes that, or that he thinks are little changes that change the whole complex and, and continuity of the game. If you want to, if you want to be part of the uh, the fans, if you want to be a commissioner for the fans, then do yourself a favor and quit thinking and listen to the fans for a change. You're not going to listen to us, you know. You will not have a job because there won't be any baseball because people will stop going to watch. So quit messing with the game, and there it is. So you, the challenge is out there, Mr. Manfred. Talk directly to the fans. Talk to me. I am a fan. Talk to me. I know you won't, but hey, why not? Okay, while I take a break to get my uh, blood pressure back down and relieve some stress, why don't we listen to how unstressful it is to deal with Fifth Street Motors? Hey, Don Glenn here for Fifth Street Motors. We all know buying a vehicle can be stressful, but it doesn't have to be. Fifth Street Motors, located at 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri, will help you find the vehicle you need no matter what brand. Fifth Street Motors believes in giving you the best price on a pre-owned vehicle that will fit your budget. Give Brandon or Don a call today at 573-259-1306 and tell them Gateway City Sports sent you. Okay, as I said, uh, I brought Derek King on this week uh, to help talk uh, the Super Bowl, and uh, we got off on some baseball and some other things, and so this is going to end up being a two-part uh, uh, episode, so we're going to play part one now, and then I'll after this podcast, I will immediately follow up with part two podcast, so you won't have to wait that long, just, uh, just going to be two different podcasts on the same thing, so, and here we go. Hey, we're back. I thought uh, I brought in a guest this week, and uh, he's been here before. He's the co-founder of Gateway City Sports, the host of the Derek King Sports Show, the living legend himself, Derek King. Hey, boss, how you been? I, I don't know about living legend. Uh, <laughs> maybe a legend in my own mind, potentially, but no, I th thank you for that. Uh, I've been doing good. Uh, been busy. You know, obviously, I haven't uh, been doing many shows here as of late i've been doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff you know just working on the website and you know taking care of kids family wife you know all that stuff and and just trying to you know run other things and do other stuff it's but with everything that's been going on we got a lot coming up and uh some interesting things i know that we're going to talk about tonight so let's get after it okay uh, we kind of talked this a little bit in, in the pre-show here but uh you can go ahead and, re and kind of reiterate for the for the some thirty five listeners I may have. <laughs> um, before we get to the Super Bowl, Rob Manfred made the, an announcement today that spring training, as he sees it, will start on time, and so will the season. Given that we've got pitchers and catchers reporting next week, you know, fourteenth through the seventeenth, is he blowing smoke to think that the deal's going to be done on Saturday? No, I don't think so. I think he's got inside knowledge, and he knows where this thing's headed. I think he knows where he's going. People like Rob Manfred in that position never make those kind of statements without having advanced knowledge of the situation. Uh, look at anybody in any league, any commissioner from any uh, major uh, sports 
a professional sports entity, and they're all the same way. They're glorified lawyers and professional, you know, executives, and they never ever say anything unless it's already been kind of thought out, and gone through, and processed. And I think they already have a a framework of a plan in place. Uh, he wouldn't have have came out and made some of the announcements that he has, uh, which we will touch on, but. Uh, he, he wouldn't have done that without advanced knowledge of the situation. I'll just leave it at that. The removal of the draft pick for a free agent, and correct me, I mean, maybe I'm just missing the boat here, but is that really that big of a deal? Oh, yeah. It's tremendously a big deal. And okay. it's, it, Because look at it from this perspective. If you make a qualifying offer on a pending free agent, and that pending free agent rejects that qualifying offer offer because their market valuation is higher than the qualifying offer, or at least they think that it is. They're guaranteed to get a draft pick from that signing if they go to sign with another team. That's another player that they get from a pool of very talented overseas players or uh, players within the United States that have extraordinarily high ceilings and high amounts of talent that are underneath team control and very extraordinarily team-friendly contracts for a very long period of time. So it's, it's a multifaceted, multi-leveled problem that needed to be addressed. I'm glad that they addressed parts of it. There's still more that needs to be addressed associated with that, but it's definitely something that needed to be done, and I'm glad it was done. I guess to me, you know, the the draft, the whole draft pick, because we don't really see these these draft picks for, you know, anywhere from three to five years uh, is what they spend in the minor leagues before they actually uh, have an impact to your to your club. Um, so that's why I, I was just kind of curious as to what the, the draft pick idea, because you know, unlike the NBA, the NFL, where you've get uh, you, your draft pick can sometimes start right away the next season. You know, it just doesn't work that way in baseball. I mean, you're spending at least at least three years in the minors before you even see a major league ball club. So that's why I was just kind of curious as to, you know, how big of a deal that draft pick uh, would that would actually be. I mean, and would that actually be enough to cause teams to tank? Yeah, well, they, see, that's the problem. It it compounds the problem of tanking when you allow teams to have a qualifying offer draft pick choice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what excuse or what's the word I'm looking for. Basically it compounds on the problem of tanking and where you have teams that are getting, you know, B, B plus, you know, a minus a, a, a potential players that yes, they might be three years off. They might be four years or maybe even five years, but they're blue chip prospects. And there are prospects that you know it's almost darn near a can't miss on some of them. Well, I mean, look at the Rule 5 draft. I mean, there's now teams are so careful about protecting certain particular players in a Rule 5 right. draft and keeping them on the 40-man that they don't want them to be snatched up by a, a team like the Oakland Athletics, right? The, these are all things that teams are constantly... Uh, working on, they're pouring over the numbers, they're looking at contracts, they're looking at, you know, guarantees and what kind of little things that players have written in. So they're all trying to find a way to save another buck uh, for a multitude of reasons. And and it was fascinating to me. Uh, 
earlier today, I actually saw a, a timeline graph uh, to where they go like the year 2000, 01, 02, 03, right. 04, 05. And they, they do these like graph counters. And it was fascinating to me to see they had a side by side of like player contracts and team valuations and how the team valuations nearly or actually probably more than tripled, almost quadrupled. And where the players, salaries only came up and i think it was some somewhere to the tune of like 10 to 12 billion that teams had advanced in valuation um and that players only advanced somewhere around 4 billion it's just fascinating to me that that it's done what it's done but yet you've got people like bill dewitt that run around and say oh well there's just really no money in baseball you don't get in this <laughs> to make money because yeah. I'm, I'm not buying that garbage because you're in real estate yeah. Uh, you dabble in all sorts of different types of stuff. Trust me, there's a lot of money in this business. Oh yeah, you're 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 not a major league baseball club owner if you if that's the only thing you own. I mean, you've got yeah, to have I mean, other interests, and I mean, like like with the Dewitts or um, anybody else that, that that owns a team, you, you've got. Well, Steinbrenner had his shipping industry was what backed backed the Yankees well, for years. And, and here's here's know. another thing to look at too: the Yankees own the Yes Network. You know, they're mm, in involved right. in that. The Yankees are also involved in partner with Jerry Jones and Legends Hospitality. You know, let's oh, yeah, not, not even get started into all of that rabbit hole because, trust me, I've been Mr. Tenfold Hat for the last three years about all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, you know, people calling me absolutely nuts. You know, you're, you're completely off base on this. But these owners have their, their tentacles in absolutely everything. There's no way to get them out. They're in everything. And again, it just it goes back to it, it, people think that these owners are in the poorhouse. They ain't in the poorhouse. Same thing with NHL owners. Yeah. They they think that they're in the poorhouse. They're not. They're making no. stupid money hand over fist. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe you know, maybe um, you're not making as much money as the owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates as you are the Los Angeles Dodgers. But right, you're right. still making money. Yeah, you're still and you're, you're not, not making you're not, and you're not making NFL money. Let's be no, fair. Not making NFL you know, money. No, no. You know, and, not, and not, like the NHL, no the NHL would love to make Major League Baseball money. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's it's funny to me that uh, like the NBA. You know, mm -hmm. I sit there and I think of the NBA and I think of a handful of teams that actually make money, right? That are big market teams that really right. do well every single year, um, like the Knicks, the Celtics, the Lakers. Um, I just think of those kind of, uh, generational teams that even, you know, you and I, and even the kids nowadays grow up on looking at those, like the Yankees, like yeah. the Cardinals, like the Dodgers, um, and those type of teams that are these just perennial winning teams that just always go out and have success. Uh, but I'm fascinated to see where it is that they make money too, you know, and I've never really dug that deep into the NBA as far as you know how their business practices are, but I'm sure it's probably not far off from the similarities between Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the NFL. So yeah, true. Uh, what do you think about his comment of a draft lottery? I think that it's a step in the right direction to keep teams from tanking. Um, the reality of the situation is that I'm afraid that there's always going to be a route around it. Yeah, there's always going to be some kind of avenue that teams will be able to take to skirt the system. 
they'll find something. They'll find that gray area to weasel into in some capacity. Um, yeah. What they now might end that, up doing. Now, can, what's, can, what's is, pardon me, is, uh, but is, uh, does baseball allow draft pick trading? Can you trade a draft pick in baseball? Um, I don't really know. And even if it is possible, which I would assume that it is, once you hold the rights to a player and have them under contract, they are your property as, as far as that's concerned. Right. You own their, their contractual rights. So you can trade them, you can sell them, you can do whatever you want. It's the same thing with managers. You know, managers are under contract. They can be traded. I know people think that's bonkers. Coaches are traded in the NFL. You know, it happens. It does. It's very rare that it happens, but it does happen. If you are a no, contracted yeah. talent, you can be traded. Well, I, and, and, no, here's, was, and here's a perfect example yeah, of okay. that. In 2001, 2002, uh, during the whole Moneyball era in Oakland, which I'm a big fan of the athletics because, you know, ever since the 80s, actually really, you know, going back further, but I wasn't really born until the early 80s. So it's, it's one of those things where I kind of go, well, yeah. Can't go back that far, even though I know the history. But in that early 2000 period of the Moneyball period, mm-hmm. uh, when they had brought in, and I can't think of his name now off the top of my head, but when Billy Bean had brought in that uh, office personnel person who was over player development or draft analysis or whatever it was, I can't yeah. think of his real name, but he traded for him. He bought his contract from the Cleveland Indians. And so, and this is, we're talking about a front office executive. We're talking about something not executive, but a front office, Hmm. just nobody as far as that's concerned. Somebody over player analysis or draft analysis. I mean, come on, you kidding me? And so if if that's able to happen, I would assume that drafted players can be moved. I wasn't wasn't just talking about drafted players, but the picks themselves. Oh, the picks themselves. Well, then in that instance, that's really difficult to say because I've never seen it happen. Yeah, I know. So I don't think I've ever heard of it happening. So that's why I was just curious, as to because you know that would be one way around it. If you are a team, you know, you can trade right. for somebody who's going to be in the lottery, right. As opposed to being outside of it, right. And that does happen yeah. in other leagues. It just I've right. never seen it happen in the in MLB. People correct us if we're wrong, but I've never seen it happen. Yeah. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here and listen to a message about the Sean Wiley Group. Hello, this is Don Glenn from Gateway City Sports. We all know how important it is to stay protected. Sometimes life throws you a curve, and that's why you need Allstate. The Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and so much more. They offer a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and your assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates and savings. Give Sean and his team a call today at 636-764-6294. They'll help you out with an insurance quote right over the phone. Even give them a call if you just want to talk sports. They do that too. We all have busy lives, so you can email Sean at seanwiley at allstate.com and talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. Okay, well, let's get off the MLB now and get back get to what we're going to be talking about. Let's get into some football stuff here. Um, you know, I didn't realize it until I was looking at it and doing a show a couple weeks ago. There were nine co- coaching vacancies in the NFL this, at the end of this year. 
ended up nine new head coaches. Um, the, any of the ones that, I mean, the, the Bears hired uh, Eberfluss. Broncos got Hackett. Jaguars picked up Doug Peterson. Uh, Josh McDaniels was hired by the Raiders. Dabal was hired by the Giants. And then just this week, uh, New Orleans promoted their defensive coordinator, uh, as did the Texans. Um, Dolphins picked up Mike McDaniel as their head coach. And Vikings are supposedly to expected to hire Kevin O'Connell. Any of those guys surprise you? A majority of them. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm just so surprised uh, because of current events. And I, I think that it's safe to say that if people don't know what's been going on, you've been living under a rock when it comes to the <laughs> NFL coaching vacancies and what's yeah. kind of happening. Uh, but we'll touch on that, too, here in a minute. But they're all yes men. And it just and it just fascinates me that they just continue to run out there and hire a bunch of brown nosing, lying, conniving, just yes men. They don't go out and hire real coaches. They go out and they hire these guys that are going to run around and be their lackey. You know that are going to they're going to tote the company line. You ever hear that? We need yeah. you to be a team player, Don. That's what <laughs> we need you to be. We need you to buy in. You hear that? Oh yeah. I didn't. I, and then people, they, they scream and yell from the rooftops, oh, you're a sellout. I'm not a sellout. I bought in. And that's, that's the thing, like, right now. It's just, it's hilarious to me that the NFL is running around with literally their hair on fire, trying to just slap it out. And you've got these teams that are doing the exact kind of crap that they're accused of, which is bad policy. Uh, bad hiring practices, favoritism, nepotism, you know, all of these different things. Look, we now have four or five. I, I, I've lost count there. I have to think. You have Sean McVay. You have Kyle Shanahan. You have uh, uh, the Dolphins, who they hired from San Francisco. I can't think of his uh, name off the top of my head. Williams on, or McDaniel or McDaniel. something. Mike, Mike, Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, and uh, there was somebody else. There was a fourth, a fourth guy, and every single one of them were underneath the Shanahan tree in Washington when he was there. Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's yeah, father. Kyle, yeah, Kyle. When they Shanahan. went three and thirteen, and they stunk it up. They were terrible. How is it that you have all of these amazing coaches that are now off? You know, going to the Super Bowls and go, it was the Bengals head coach, I think, is who it was. Oh, okay. And you sit there and you think to yourself, how is it they were so damn bad in Washington? 3-13? and 13? How were they so bad? If they had all these geniuses, yeah. all these people that were ahead of their time, how is it that if you have that much talent on a team, that much talent, that much coaching talent, and you went 3-13? and 13? <laughs> I mean... That's kind, what, of, what, that's kind of stifle the, the mind, doesn't it? Right. It just boggles the mind. But going back to what you were saying about does any of these hires surprise me, really, to be honest with you, the only one that doesn't surprise me, uh, I would say that it was probably, it's a toss-up between the Raiders and Houston. And, and the reason that I say that is because with the Raiders, they needed somebody that had coaching knowledge, that knew how to coach a team, um, 
they're right there. They're on the cusp of, of making that turn to being successful and being good. Um, so, you know, the move that they made is probably one of the least surprising ones. But then again, with the Texans in Houston, uh, hiring Lovey Smith and bringing him in is no surprise at all. Guy who had success with the Bears, uh, who I believe had taken him to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, had success, went to championship games, did all that stuff. It's it just that I know why they did it. I know why they did it. And it's it's hard for me to say and, and, and put it into, you know, 160 characters or whatever, how many characters you could use on Twitter anymore nowadays. I don't even know. I don't even count. But it's hard to articulate that in such a short frame you you have to write a story you have to write an article or a story on it because the reason they did what they did is because of the flores lawsuit yeah and i was wondering if that i wondered if that lawsuit was going to have an impact on these hirings absolutely 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 it had an effect on these hirings and i'll tell you why because flores was a number one number two consideration in chicago Mm-hmm. And then he was the number one target in Houston. And there was a couple other teams that he was, if he wasn't in the number one or number two consideration slot, he was definitely in number three for sure. Uh, the Giants was surprised because he's a New York guy, right? And so right, he comes right. from that Upper East Coast, um, you know, tough, you know, neighborhood, tough you know, upbringing, all that stuff, tough mentality, uh, kind of bulldog type of uh, approach. And, for him to be turned away, not only in that, you know, and, and let's call it what it is. It was a absolute sham of an interview. They knew they were going to hire Dabble. They knew what they were going to do. They did it anyway. And the only reason that they interviewed him is because they had to meet the Rooney rule. They had to meet right. the protocol. They already knew what they were going to do. They didn't even give him a fair shake. Um, similarity goes back to what the Denver Broncos are being accused of and the the kind of the level of that also as well. But the Houston one is the one that really interests me where I've had conversations with people in that market and people that are really tied into the Texans really tight and said, you know, Hey, he was the guy until this lawsuit thing came about. And once the lawsuit thing came about, it was, he, he was off, off the reservation. Done, it wasn't yeah. going to happen. Yeah, he was done. He, 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 he torpedoed his career and, you know, I got to applaud the guy. I mean, for pointing out something that's so blatantly obvious. Let, here's the thing. Let's put all of our bias and all of our uh, one-sidedness aside, and let's look at this thing from a very clear, linear perspective. If anyone out there says that coaches of a minority descent, especially African-American coaches, have had ownership and leadership within teams uh, that have turned their noses up at them because they don't feel like they're articulate enough. They don't have coach speak. They don't do the things that you expect a coach to do. Well, that kind of raises some eyebrows. At least it does to me when right. it comes to that uh, the racial inequality when it comes to hiring coaches. And, and you know, you've got all of these these young guys, these young white guys that have absolutely no experience, that haven't hardly coached at all, maybe been a quarterback coach or a wide receiver coach, and then you've got guys that have been in the business for 10, 15 years, and they can't even get a sniff at it. Let's go back in time, like during the 80s, right? Um, 
it was like the 80s or the early 90s. No, it was the early 90s. Uh, remember when uh, Philadelphia had hired, his last name was Rhodes, I believe. It might have been Arthur Rhodes. Yeah, Arthur Rhodes. the head yeah. coach. Um, which was one of the very few, if not the only black head coach in the league at the time. Um, but then, you know, like right now you have minority coaches in the league. There's not a lot of them, um, but there are some. And now with the hiring of Lovey Smith, who by all means was a terrific head coach and was passed up time and time and time again for head coaching positions, whether we know the facts or we don't. The reality of the situation is, is that we, we can't be guessing about what the mindset was of these owners or these GMs. And, and let's go back to the facts. When you talk about ownership, uh, you talk about GMs, a majority of these coaching hires are being uh, sought over by GMs. They are in the interview process. They're like, hey, you know, they're giving their thumbs up and they're giving their thumbs down on the process. Yes, the owner makes the final decision. But at the end of the day, if anybody thinks that the GM doesn't have a very, very big say in the subject right. matter, they've got another thing coming. Well, that, that's one thing. Uh, speaking of GMs, that's the one thing that with, with the Raiders grabbing their general manager and head coach out of the same organization. Uh, stealing uh, the New England Patriots or from the New England, England Patriots there. Uh, they grabbed their player, and I can't remember the guy's name. I don't have it on me right now. The, the player development uh, guy from the Patriots to be their GM, and then saying, unlike other GMs they've had in the past, he's actually going to have a say in player acquisitions and personnel decisions. Is that just a change in the... Uh, from father to son, as far as the Flores mindset goes, I it's really hard. Or, excuse to say. me, not with, Flores, uh, uh, Davis. Excuse me, Al Davis. Well, with Davis, Davis, I mean, let, let's face facts. Davis is a a shell of what his father was. You know, Al was a pioneer. Al was a uh, he was so far ahead of the curve when he, how he understood how to run a team, what to do, the politics that need to be played. He understands it, it, it. He understood it at such a higher level than anybody else. And his son, his son had this thing gift wrapped and handed to him on a silver platter. He doesn't know how to run a team. He doesn't know what to do. The only thing he knows is how to run around with a backpack on his back at owners' meetings and go, "Look at me, I own a team." You know, he doesn't really know what he's doing. I mean, he has no concept. What well, he he ran around. And he followed his daddy for a few years. Al Davis had more knowledge in his big toe than Mark Davis ever had. Uh, yeah, I mean, what you said about about uh, Al being uh, ahead of his time. I mean, and he was he really, I think, understood football more than any other owner, with possibly the exception of maybe some of the older guys like a like a Shula, like a Rooney, who knew um, business end and the sports end of it as well. Um, I just find, like I said, I, I just find it that uh, kind of odd, no, not odd, but um, different that um, now all of a sudden they're going to make it very public. I mean, we all knew it for a long time that the GMs uh, for Oakland didn't have much of a say-so in anything going on. Uh, and now all of a sudden they're making the emphasis, oh, by the way, here's what we're going to do different from here on out. I mean, almost seems like they were trying to, that uh, 
uh, Mark is exposing himself, so to speak. And Lord knows we don't want him exposing himself. Um, <laughs> I've got to throw that in there. It's it's one of that classic lines from Ghostbusters. Bill Murray says from the movie Ghostbusters, and you yeah, don't yeah. want us exposing ourselves. Um, but no, I mean the fact of the matter is is that Al Davis was a pioneer. He went against the league. He sued the league. He won. Um, he beat them at their own game. He yeah. was the he was the commissioner of the AFL. Uh, he ran things. He understood things at a business level, at a fundamental level. Uh, he was a coach. He coached the Raiders for years. Uh, he understood the game. He understood the players. He understood the front end. He understood the back end. Again, he was ahead of his time. He was a uh, he was not a self indulgent wiener. He was a connoisseur. Yeah. You know, he was he was. As much as people want to dislike Al Davis for a lot of the things that he did, and let's face it, this is a lot of revisionist history on the NFL side of things. They want people to forget about the AFL. They want people to forget about the fact that Al Davis whipped their collective asses, just call it what it is. Um, and they don't want people to remember that, and they don't want people to know about that. They want people to forget about it, go away, mm -hmm. it didn't really happen. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing with the St. Louis stuff, too, as well. They want people oh, yeah. to just pretend like it didn't happen. It just uh, just don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. That's been settled. That's been dealt with. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, since, yeah. Since that lawsuit's been settled, you've heard nothing out of out of anybody with it. You know. Oh, oh no, I've heard a lot. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, pu publicly, but, publicly in the media, publicly, but, yeah, but publicly, I know that there's been statements that have been made. There's been interviews that have been done with uh, people that have been involved with that process and things like that. And a couple of people have slipped up and yeah. had a slip of the tongue, uh, a faux pas, if you will. And uh, they have said a little too much mm -hmm. and have gotten caught with their, uh, with their zipper down basically. Mm -hmm. And um, they had to walk some things back and uh, yeah. it, it's, it's just not surprising again, you know, you got, you know, politicians that are um, only concerned about their careers and they're only concerned about, you know, when to cash in because they're probably pretty sure that they're a one term uh, politician or maybe a two term at max. Um, they're going to move on to other things. They're going to be lobbyists. They're going to work in somebody's cabinet. They're going to do something. They're going to be a senator. They're going to be a congressperson, whoever. Um, so I, I just don't buy the fact that any of that stuff was done out of the goodness of politicians heart in St. Louis and for the fans, they didn't give a damn about that. They didn't care. Right. They, they looked at the situation and go 750 plus million dollars in the hand is better than, you know, a, you know, two birds in the bush. Yeah, we could get billions of dollars, but this is going to end up going to appeals. It's going to get drug out over, you know, months, if not years, uh, and more than likely, it probably would have been drug out over years. And their philosophy is we need this money here. We need this money now to change a lot of what St. Louis had become into what their vision of St. Louis. And let's be clear, not county, but city, what they view St. Louis City to be. And so, again, this is my personal opinion. This is not based in actual evidence like I've. Oh, I've uncovered the holy grail of evidence, and I know exactly what they did and how they did it. This is just based off of history. This is based off of me putting two and two together, chasing down leads, chasing down historical evidence of how these politicians behave and how they've handled this stuff. And it's just – it's laughable. It's a joke. 
and uh, St. Louis got screwed out of an NFL team. Uh, not once, not twice, not three times, but now four times. Um, and the politicians are in it just as much as the NFL is in it. And right. um, I think, and this is just my opinion, again, take it with a grain of salt, and this grain of salt is probably the size of Mount Everest, so let's be fair. I think there's probably a conversation to say, hey, listen, we screwed you. We know we screwed you. You know you, we screwed you. Uh, everybody knows that we did. So here's the deal. Take this money. Go away for a few years. Gather yourself. Get your guys' stuff fixed up. Uh, address these issues. And, uh, you know, hey, we'll look at you in another five, seven years when we look to expand again. But at that point, we're, we're you know, let's just part. Let's go our own separate ways. You do your thing. We'll do our thing. And I think that's probably how it went down. Yeah. I mean, that that's, yeah. I mean, that, that makes... That's kind of what I was, what a lot of people were saying that, you know, they didn't get a, uh, uh, an, ex- an expansion franchise in the deal. And, you know, it kind of makes you wonder why they would have settled for so much without an expansion franchise. So the, like you said, there's got to be some kind of a little, hey, we'll take care of you when it comes time down the road type of deal. Right. And, and I want to be very, very ultra clear. Again, none of us. I, th- I think there's probably a handful of, you know, grifters that are out there in social media and everywhere else in media too, that said St. Louis is going to get an expansion team. Um, no, there's hardly anybody that said that. I never said that. Uh, Florio never said that. Uh, Daniel Wallach, uh, Dan Lust, you know, from Conduct Detrimental, their wonderful podcast. Go check it out. Um, especially some of the stuff that uh, that they did over that case. It's fantastic stuff. Howard Balzer never said that. Randy Carricker never said that. Uh, Tim McKernan never said that. And these are some of the people that I know that are like in the know, right? They've got right. insider information, inside knowledge of the situation uh, and that a lot of people greatly respect, including myself. And for them to sit there and say, listen, could a NFL expansion franchise be on the table? Well, anything could be on the table. I mean, yeah, you, you could yeah, yeah. you could have an NFL expansion team. You could have a stadium. You could have billions of dollars, and you could have a, a pig that flies through the sky. It, all <laughs> of that could be on the table. It could all be on the table. But right. the reality of the situation was, I think that all of us were pretty uh, clear in our conviction to know and understand that it was a very high likely of improbability, not impossibility, but improbability that that could potentially happen. But when we're being fed information by other sources that are close to the situation, um, I will point out one particular person uh, in particular, uh, which was Ben Albright out of Denver. I'm, I'm, again, I like Ben. Uh, I don't have any problems with Ben. But Ben's a mouthpiece. Ben's a mouthpiece for the Cronkies family. He was putting that information out there because the Cronkies knew, especially Stan, knew that if they put that information out there, because of how desperate people in St. Louis were for another football team, um, that it would light the fire of the NFL to, to get in there and settle and, and, and take Cronky basically off the hook. That's really what it was all about. It was they were trying every avenue they could to get Cronky to keep him from paying that money. Right. But the NFL didn't balk. The NFL didn't back off. And what the NFL did instead is said, "Okay, we're going to have a closed door meeting with the city of St. Louis, the county, and, and the what the RSC or the 
the PSA, NSA, QSA, FBI, CIA, I don't know what they're all called, all the entities within St. Louis. Uh, but it, that's what it really kind of comes down to. My thought is, you, if you really want, uh, and I know a lot of people ask me this question and have asked me this question a lot. Uh, thankfully, it's kind of slowed down because I've been off the radar and not really talking about it. Um, so people have kind of slowed down and asking me this question. Maybe yeah. they realize that I'm kind of fed up with it, but uh, it's this. St. Louis will never see an expansion team. And, and I, I, I really do not like using the word never, but never. Yeah. The only people that are going to get expansion teams are going to be massive hub cities, you know, like London. We'll get to Germany, you know, Berlin. You know, they're going to get they're going to have an NFL Europe here over the next 10 to 20 years. They've already announced that they're going to have a NFL game where in Munich or I think so. yeah, I saw that yeah. in Germany. I, I didn't I didn't, yeah, I didn't read all that, but I saw. Yeah, I think Munich that's is their move. Talking. That's their move. They're going to have NFL Europe 2.0. And uh, they're going to have – that's where they're headed with this thing. And people better come to the realization and, and wise up because the NFL is going global, and they're doing it right now underneath your nose. You just don't realize it. And they're going to be in Europe. That's where they're going to be. And then they're just going to expand from there. They want to get in those huge, massive markets. You know, They want to get into you know, Hong Kong. They want to get into, uh, into Japan. And you know, they want to get into – um, Taiwan, you know, they want to get into India, you know, the country of India. They want to get into these huge, massive population areas to tap into just more money. And that's what it all comes down to. So people better come to the realization that this is what it is. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of other different stuff that we can go on for hours for and we won't oh yeah no doubt. we won't we won't go down that rabbit hole no let's I, let's not hit that rabbit hole yet <laughs> yeah i don't i don't want to do i don't want to do that because we'll be on here until the cows come home yeah oh uh, yeah i think we're gonna break it right there for part one and uh um I encourage you guys to come back for part two. It'll it'll be up shortly after this is uh, published, I'm pretty sure. And uh, remember, I still want to put together a fans forum. Questions from the fans, answered by the fans. Submit your questions on Twitter at TSOTBGCS or Big D underscore GCS. You can also email the uh, questions to TSOTB.GCS at gmail.com. Uh, also use that email address if you want to be part of the show. But make sure you list uh, in the subject line that it is for the co-host uh, slot. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep putting that out. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks again for joining us. And you have been listening to Talking Sports on the Bleachers. Here's hoping you have a great sports day.